0: Good day and welcome to the Tech Central Podcast. My name is Daniel Robus and I am concluding Heritage Day with an interview with a good friend of ours from Sage, Varesh Haduth, who's a small business Africa and Middle East VP. Is that correct, Varesh? You are VP.
1: Yes, I am. Thanks, Daniel. Um, Brilliant. Uh, Looking forward to having a chat again. Really enjoyed our
0: last one. Brilliant. And welcome back on this eve of a long weekend. and. Varesh, today we're going to be diving into small business again, really in your forte. And I, in preparation, was reading the research that Sage did into where we are as small businesses. And over almost 2,000 businesses participated in the survey, which was in March, April this year. And the scary fact that came out is 42% of these businesses expect to be less profitable because of the impact of the pandemic. And today, we'd like to talk about the practical tips that your customers can use to keep profitability up through using technology. But as I know you, Varesh, it's going to go into practical tips of running your business better. Before we go there, it's a massive weekend for you because you've got a little man who's turning five. From us at Tech Central, congratulations. You've kept a child for five years. You are a hero. Are you planning on (laughs) anything for Heritage Day for
1: this little man? So mainly, thanks a lot, Daniel. First of all, it's been great five years. He's a lovely boy. As much family time as we can over the long weekend and spoil him more than he needs to be spoiled. That's basically the plans. Basic parenting
0: in my mind, basic parenting. We've got to pass the love forward. Varesh, being VP for small business during this time, like the pandemic, must be quite a stressful job. You're seeing ups, and we spoke about how many of your clients are doing extremely well. Are you seeing that stack play out that people are just not making it at the moment? Are you getting a lot of people that are like coming to your doors, not doing that well?
1: Daniel, I must say the research does mirror very much what we see, maybe more so because While we are seeing some small businesses definitely thrive, and it comes out in the research, there's been some businesses that have to look at the expenses, optimize. Mm -hmm. And if your services or the goods that you sold had a good demand and you had the right things in place, customer-centric, good interaction with your customers, that optimization has increased your profitability. And within that server, there was a percentage that felt that they were better off after the dip of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then you do see an increased number in that 42% you called out. That, And I don't want to make it too broadline, but obviously if you didn't have the right things in place, mm-hmm. the impacts of COVID just magnified all of it. So we do see an uptick of churn and business closure. And to be honest, oh. South Africa did have a high business closure rate even prior to the pandemic, but okay. we have seen high churn rates. And where we've kept afloat is a lot of, Businesses have formalized taking up software to give themselves a better chance of survival, and that's made us robust as a business. So what's coming in as new, we're still seeing a portion of churn coming out. And it's very interesting. Some of the stats you see around churn follows a lot of some of the case studies here globally is that if a business tends to be a certain age using our software, they tend to have a higher Chance of staying afloat, and the churn rates are higher within so the first year and second year. Okay, so yes. the
0: resilience of established businesses that understand their processes is better than these new businesses that are popping up and maybe not as established. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned in business is that cash in bank does not equal profitability. What are the suggestions that you've got for small businesses to take to maximize profitability? and customer satisfaction. Just off the bat, let's deal with that.
1: It's one of my favorite topics to speak about, uh, profitability, because if you look at it, everyone would think, oh, well, there's only certain amounts of variables to be profitable. So it's the revenue you get in, the expenses you pay out, and depending on the volume of whatever you provide, and that should make you a profitable business. But if you look at expenses, right, let's assume you've done the due diligence, you've looked at your business, you've made responsible spending decisions, you haven't Overleverage your business, you're not heavily geared in any way. If you can get your expenses under control, then your profitability sits now on the revenue side. And when it comes to the revenue side, there's a lot of techniques and case studies and things you can learn from as a business. And I know when we talk small business, if you're a small business owner and you hear some of the conversations, you might go, Well, that's fine if you sell a product. I sell a service. And I think it applies across all of that. So all businesses have to attach a price point to whether the product or the service. And that price point setting starts getting you into a profitability conversation. So how do you set a price point is one of the key decisions to a business owner because one, it immediately gets you going on your cash flow. But getting that price right, and I think a lot of small businesses can fall into a few traps. You could do a very, what does it cost me to get the good or product that I'm gonna sell on? and they look at the expenses and they set a price point just based on the expenses and they go, that gives me a nice X percent mm, of revenue mm, per unit. Mm, mm. And then you quickly find that if things change, I mean, we're all customers as well. Mm. So I've seen businesses where they'll call out a price increase because the petrol price has gone up. And me as a customer, things start churning my mind and I go, is mm. your business that on the line where any small change in a variable, you're just passing it on? And I think, all of us, the perception of businesses that are robust is you can do increases. We all do. Every company does increase. There's a reason for it. But how you communicate is critical. But if you get your price point wrong, then you're chasing. You're always playing catch up. Mm-hmm. You don't have mm-hmm. repeatable increases. Also, the other trap people fall into is they look at the competitors out there and they go, well, if they're charging X, I must come in under. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't mm-hmm. make sense because it's the, people pay for the value of the product. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that Profitability starts with making sure you do the right pricing, and I know it sounds very theoretical to say you got to have a pricing architecture or pricing yeah. methodology, but you have to look beyond your initial price point. So setting a price that allows you to be robust, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean loading in mm-hmm. more margin that you can absorb when your cost goes up. Mm-hmm. It is generally a methodology. So do you once you have a price point, getting your customer to understand mm-hmm. the value attached to the price is critical. Mm -hmm. So you could come in at a higher price, but your customer has to understand why there's a differentiator. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. there's opportunities. So hardly any business sells one thing only. So you have a suite of offerings, Mm -hmm. making sure your pricing is coherent through the suite of offerings. And there's some great examples. I always say you don't have to look very far to see good examples of pricing. If you look at bundling services and products, the best examples are everywhere right in front of you. I think if you look at fast food outlets, it's become a science. So bundling, I always say, the thing about bundling is you get concepts called decoy pricing where you intentionally create an option that makes a customer not take it up and pushes them to another offering, Mm. right? Mm. And if you look at good bundling, it's the whole point of bundling is to increase the revenue that comes in Mm. without putting a real drain on the expenses. But there's a real, like you look at a Happy Meal, right? There's, oh, never no, happened. Like a main meal, chips, and a coke. There's a reason mm. why it's a coke and not a cup of coffee. Mm. It's driven on customer want. So mm. any mm. pricing starts with the customer. So you have to get a good understanding of what's the main demand and price mm. around that. And that's how so, you incrementally uplift your revenue. So there was an
0: example that I had of a vendor who was selling the best chips ever, and a small chip. Seller, but he wasn't making money. And he asked this friend of mine to look at his business. And his secret was in the source that he gave away, but he gave the source for free. And just by charging two Rand for the source, he turned his business significantly. And you know, he runs his chip shop or his chip vehicle just outside of a big taxi rank. He's making a killing. And it's from getting his pricing right. Would you recommend anyone goes anywhere? Or would you Google for a good pricing methodology? Where would you suggest a business owner can verify their pricing methodology?
1: I think you called it out. There's a lot of literature out there, Daniel, but like a lot of literature, you can go down a bit of a rabbit, rabbit hole. hole yeah. uh, the things that I found, and I used to do pricing in a previous life, mm-hmm. but I did find that there's some choice articles. So if you Google techniques or good examples, And I think as a small business owner, applying those examples to your individual need is probably the best place to start. But some of the concepts, there's always value in Mm. being exposed to a bit more. But there's a lot of good research on techniques. So
0: for our audience out there, go and do your homework on pricing. And you spoke, you were talking about positioning of your products there from a perspective of moving goods and moving services. What advice would you give to small owners when it comes to how products or services are positioned next to one
1: another and to each other? Sure. So I think if you look at the multiple services, right, it mm-hmm. has to be coherent. It doesn't have to be proportional, but it has to be coherent. Okay. So I do see some small businesses and you've probably seen it as well, Daniel, if you look online, this tends to be a tiering of offerings nowadays. And the tiering really has evolved over time. And that tiering is based on the persona of the customer. So you have the entry level, the medium that most people would, and then you have the upper for the real niche. Mm. And I think that it's very popular for a reason, because also when people are buying a product and service from you, there's inherent trust that you are the subject matter expert on some level. Mm. So if you have the price point and the services that follow, They want to know what's the most popular, and they kind of go, well, that's my need in the middle. Mm. There's a few other techniques that are interesting, depending on the product and service. Apple was famous for this for years, where they would keep their price point the same for years, Mm. and the technology would just flow down the stack. Yes, that's clever. Yeah, that's clever. And and they did that for years.
0: And what I was just thinking now is if we've got the pricing right and we've got the products that are in the system – the BI that we can get off the reporting that we can get off the system, what is that giving me from a power perspective of a business owner?
1: It's a great call Daniel, because once you have the data from your customer behavior, and that's about a good pricing architecture methodology, it's dynamic, it changes over time. Mm. So once you've identified from the data a clear bias or skew or take up from a customer, you can then tweak your pricing around that. So you can then see what your most popular offering is Understand that what's your second, bundle them together, and you have a bigger take-up. There's a brilliant example. I know I'm going to go in a bit of a tangent. There was when I was still doing pricing theory. I think it was the Wall Street Journal. They had this brilliant thing. This was like about 15 years ago when online was still a bit new. And they literally had the physical document at a price point subscription. Then they had the online at a midpoint. And then they had both. And there was very low take-up for both. Because people felt, well, if I had one in the other, Mm. why not? Mm. And they basically looked at the take-up, changed the price point on the joint offering and matched it to the online price. And Mm. the ratio shifted completely where people, like more than 70%, chose both the offering. They were trying to do a transitioning of people into Mm. taking up online. Mm. And naturally, people Mm. then went, well you've clearly mispriced it because I'm getting two things for the price of just the one. So they intentionally put the decoy pricing, and it changed customer behavior. And then in a couple of years, people stopped buying the physical print and adopted online. So it was very clever that way. But the BI did guide it. The BI did guide it. And it's also in terms of where it loops back. If you really track your data, you can then start making decisions about the products and services that remain on your price list or what you offer. Yeah. I think having too much inventory, too many services that are niche, you got to loop it back to the effort around the revenue against that right. offering. A really small percentage checks up a niche offering. Make the call. Mm. should it it. be part of your stack. Yes. Sh- Can I ask
0: and you, I think- in your opinion, in your area of small business, do the small business owners take enough time to look at the reporting that comes from their financial and supply chain modules or are we doing it by gut instinct because we feel we need to be working rather than thinking?
1: It's a great call-out. It is a great call-out. And I wouldn't want to paint everyone with the same brush down, but it's definitely Mm. a predominant thing. And I think it's part human behavior, Mm. part you moving so quickly all the time. If the revenue is coming in, Mm. you feel you're comfortable. I think the call-out around checking the data and reviewing on a constant basis, where it becomes important, which is linked to profitability, is if you've got the foundation's right, you still need to have a look at your profitability in terms of the channels you serve and the market you serve. Mm. Has that put a cap on your profitability? Because you can get a certain share of that market. And then if you're going to be more profitable, the question becomes, should I expand my market or mm. expand? So you could do two things as a company, start adding more services mm. and more products mm. with the hope that your current market starts buying more, or you could look to expand your market and with technology, and we spoke about that in detail the last time, but the online presence has now expanded everyone's market. But where mm. I think it's critical to your point is if I was a business owner in a certain geography, mm. that's expanded competitors, which I never knew about into mm. my geography as well. Mm. So if I had a product or service in a certain area, now all of a sudden people in that area are going online and seeing competitors pricing and offering. So it's dynamic in that sense where all the techniques to expand your profitability are the same techniques your competitors mm. are using. And whereas before, geographically, you might think I'm the only person in this area, you're now competing with anyone who has online mm. presence. Mm. So, so, online it's a has constant reiteration. Yeah.
0: Online has really changed the game from a perspective of certainly Sage's business and Sage Online, but into everybody's business. Cloud, is is, is, there is no way back from this. This is the new normal from our perspective. And I'm going to dive in here as host. I probably shouldn't do this. But I'll say when I'm coaching small businesses and, and businesses in the way it's think, plan, do, review. And the most obvious step I see people skipping is think because we South Africans, we want to do all the time. And thinking for me is an unfair advantage that you have over your competitors. So use that, don't use it, but think more. People think more. So we've got the business going. We're looking at the BI. We're seeing stuff that's coming out. How do we get people to pay? How does Sage help me to get people... Because people love doing business with me, but they've got very deep pockets <laughs> and short arms. How do we change that Using
1: Sage, Number one, probably the most time a small business owner spends on, besides his actual passion, is collecting the money from, from whatever he's doing. So yeah, this one, yeah, there's a few things I think you've got to get right. And I think I'll, I will pull in elements of where technology can take care of most of what I'm going to say. Okay. So first thing is invoicing. So how you represent to your customer what they owe you is key, right? And I'm not just talking about aesthetic and look must look professional, contain all the right details. Error-free invoicing is a big issue, right? It sounds, it sounds thing, but any software, any good software, the invoicing is linked to the system, linked Mm. to the inventory, linked to, it Mm. shouldn't be any errors, right? So error-free, all the details required. I think that's the number one. I I don't want to jump that step. It might seem like a very, No, that is critical. And if you're doing manual, yes, you increase in your chances. You know, I mean, if you're not doing a digital invoice, you increase in your chances. The second thing is, obviously, you're having all your details, look, feel, the professionalism of it increases the customer engagement. The next thing is how you pay. It's fascinating. I mean, if you get an invoice, and I think we all, like everyone tries to support a small business. And every time I see it, I actually do reach out to anyone who sends me an mm. Excel version of an invoice. I pay it and then I say, can I get someone to call you yeah. just to show you something, you know? And yeah. it's small things. So in terms of payment method, and I think we talked about it the last time, is with our software, you get six payment options on the invoice. Sure. From a QR code to a normal barcode, instant EFT links, you want to get people to be able to pay while they have the invoice open. Yes. Yes. And that seemed like a massive... If, you, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you think, oh, well, who's got the time to do all this? It comes as base nowadays. It's mm. a base package of I can do quoting and invoice through the software and the invoicing has these payments attached to it. Mm. So mm. giving a customer the ability to pay and then... We're going to where the money starts coming in. So it's not all customers who are avoiding to pay. All of us are guilty of it. You open the invoice, you're busy with something, making sure you have a reminder. Now this year for me is where I used to see a lot of small business owners. Weekends was catching up with payments. Weekends when the families hold it for the night, you open up your computer, you log on and then you start reconning. Who hasn't paid me? And, It's a shame because we talked about the last time about how much time goes into being an entrepreneur in a small business. It's every job in every company you run it. So in terms of software, we have debtors manager software. It keeps a running record of invoices out and received, but it recons. So at any point, you got a snapshot of invoices and paid. right? And now it goes a step further. And this is where technology is the hack. So you don't need a team of people or collections division. You could set... When you're sending out an invoice you can set rules and this is like any settings on a computer set rules that if not received after so many days send this email as default please be aware you haven't paid and you set that message default for everyone and it automatically sends it out when payment hasn't been received and most of the time that's all it takes to get payment is the reminder yeah Yeah. right now what is and i think We all customers and we all pay a lot of things. But in the software you could also then pull in a service like a WhatsApp or SMS function as additional buy. So you could build in a service that says, just remind you, Daniel, have you paid or if you're not, and you put you you can craft Mm -hmm. your own message that Mm -hmm. gives you your own tone of your business. You know, Mm -hmm. not everything's debt collection. Mm -hmm. It's a nice tone to it. And you you Uh, can literally put it as the limits and the dates and you can set it. Do you want to do it thirty day, forty five day, that kind of vibe. And once you get all of that, this is now something that's tracking. You get daily dashes. You get a good understanding of how you're receiving money. And then you get to the customers, obviously, that may have an issue. Yeah. Right? But then you can focus your time on reaching out to that customer. Mm. And if you're a small business, do you want to create a a payment plan, a two-tier or something? Mm. And it's all mm. about increasing the chances of payment. But to your question, and I think I'm quite passionate about this here, is because the bulk of what we're talking about is the money that will come in and should come in normally, all of that can be taken care of with tech and just setting things up the correct way. This sounds like a very complicated thing for me.
0: Like I host podcasts, I facilitate, I do this stuff. Am I going to need to get professionals in to do this?
1: Absolutely not. So literally the software is attached to your core software. It's, I'll try and give you a good example. It's the settings menu on anything you use digitally. Toggles, what would you like it to be? Wow. Not received, how many days do I send the first email? Now you physically type, what should that email say? Right? Yes. After 45 days, what should that email say? And you can set some alerts that come back to you on the call and say, if not, then send an alert email to myself saying this person hasn't paid in 45 days. So just a thumbs up statistic.
0: Of your thousands of customers, how many are using more than 50% of the potential of the technology you've given to them?
1: I love that question. You can see it's, it's coming from a person who has this engagement. So we track that stats because there's a lot of work that goes into building these mm. modules and add-ons. Mm. So mm. we track usage all the time. Daniel, for the people, obviously, I think the first metric is how many people take up the additional modules, right? Yeah. And, and you asked me the last time, and I said, I think that's the day job is, My job is trying to get what we have for people to understand it and then purchase it. And some of the products like this manager granted. It's just about a year old and anyone who obviously sends invoices, it would have value to them. Mm. Take up is not even 20% yet.
0: Wow. So there are lots of people that are missing the opportunity to automate and buy themselves 20, 20 minutes in a day, 30 minutes in a day an hour in a day, an evening with their family. I mean, automation has to be the way that we want to
1: go and as business Diana, I don't want to punt it like that. You know, we had a chat last time. I don't want to mm. punt it so aggressively. But if I told you the price per month of this feature, you wouldn't believe me. So for less than 200 Rand, you would have all of this automated and never have to worry about this aspect of it.
0: Yo. You wouldn't believe me. No, I do believe you. I do believe you. I, you know, I picked up so much last time around it which is why we wanted to carry on this chat and really hone in on the small businesses from a perspective of usability of the software and the UI is simple even I can use it. It's just getting over that sort of that first step of putting in your first workflow, putting in your first email because there's an intention around it. If we can buy back an evening a week for people that they don't have to work, I consider that a victory. That's kind of inward focused and we're sending out the emails, we're collecting cash at the right time. We're ensuring we've got grit and sustainability on the business. What does it mean to the customer and our relationships from a business perspective? How is Sage assisting in that through this automation
1: process? The trickier one, and I think you have called out something, a lot of what we do is to champion small business. Mm. And we, I mean, we do mm. the vlogs and we, we try and explain and we do the seminars on good business practice. A lot of the customer relationship aspects. So I do think in terms of the software, the stuff I've talked about, the invoicing, the collection, it can put a level of professionalism on how you deal with your customer. The customer and essentially interaction, you can charge more. I mean, you are looking like you're
0: a bigger organization. You're looking sure. more smart. You're you looking like you're delivering
1: a high-quality service. And I think that's it. I mean, we've all had a great experience, and you see an invoice, and you're like, it's all over the place. The yeah. icons look like they've been cut and paste in Word. And you generally feel for these businesses because you can see the passions in the service they yes. offer, not, yes. not in that. So I think on that level, that's where we assist. In terms of a business and customer engagement, that's Mm. where there's that spectrum of business success to Mm. a certain degree, right? Mm. So Mm. some business owners can do it in a very formalized way. Some can do in a very personalized way. And I think COVID put that lens on making sure your customer engagement extends beyond face-to-face. So I would say in this evolving world where everything is a click away, the way you engage with customers across the different platforms needs to be continuous. So it's very easy and maybe it's the nature of digital platforms at the moment. If I had to search something, it's more likely to come up with the negatives first. Like you can always find that review blasting someone because of something. And it maybe puts more emphasis on companies to ensure that they're constantly engaging with their customers and putting out their wins continuously. Mm. Mm. So, you know, having testimonials is something very few small businesses ask for, but it's very easy to type a name and then, Be redirected to a site where people are complaining so whether you choose to or not you're part of this digital world when i search your name so it is up to you as a business owner to make sure that your engagement feeds back into your business as well in terms of putting out the positive
0: okay that's very good that's really good tell me what are you reading at the
1: moment that our small businesses should pick up what are you learning at the moment Sure. So business-wise, in terms of what I'm reading, I'm actually watching a bit more business stuff. I'm watching more of the YouTube things, a bit of the TED Talks. I always find those more interesting. A few of the books that I have read in the past, I'm not big on on the books that go, this is it,
0: you okay. know, in terms of that. Yeah.
1: Like, ironically, most of the books I'm reading now are Bill Bryson books, but that's that separate. <laughs> so let me ask you again, what podcast
0: would you recommend for our audience or what digital content where we can learn about business and small business, would you so, recommend?
1: I would say, like, I, I like the TED Talk. Okay. Uh, even on uh, Apple TV, I, I do the TED Talk uh, subscription. And I'll tell you why, Like Daniel, is that you can cherry pick a series of case study conversations. Yes. And you can pull your conclusion. And, and I know sometimes when I have these conversations, like people go, well, if it's a blueprint and a formula, then everyone could be successful. Yes. Right? And I take that to heart because... I hate that it comes across that way. I know we're talking about such a wide array of it. I do think the best you can do is call out some things, get the mind going, and people apply it to their own environment because by no means is, even if you followed every advice out of every book, it's not a guarantee for success and double and triple-digit growth. But I guarantee you, your probability and your odds will go up. And it's mm-hmm. how you apply it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've got another question which you
0: probably come across You've got a wide swathe of customers. What is the most common productivity hack that you've seen the successful business owners use that is just like, wow, out of 10 successful ones, eight of them are doing this?
1: So I'll take it maybe a step Beyond that, because I think we've, in our mm-hmm. chats, we've called out quite a few things that could really be the productivity act. I think the really successful businesses make those hacks the culture. So the, the hacks don't stop with the one change. Okay. it's That's the process, they keep an eye, and then the next one becomes it. It's embedded into the culture of it. And that's more, maybe more on the hack side. The one thing mm-hmm. I've definitely seen, it's an old adage, it's there because it's 100% true you just got to engage with the customers. I know it's not customer first where customer's always right, but the engagement with customer always guides what's going on. I always say like, all you have to do is go through your process from the customer side. Because all of us as customers, we pick up, oh, well, if only it was this, if you could have sent me this at this time. Every now and then, take a trusted friend or some family member, put them through your process and genuinely ask, how's that compared to other experiences?
0: Yes, yes. Yes. You know, I get instant feedback because hosting a podcast, you're either going to like me or not. And it's quite a scary thing to ask afterwards and say, how was that for you? And uh, once or twice, people have been honest and said, wow, you were off the boil. And I feel that too many of us business owners take that in the negative and crumple when actually people are trying to make you better. And you know, you spoke about it last time, and I would also re-emphasize that for our listeners. If you can find a business mentor that's going to be honest with you and tell you how it's going, or like Varesha said, find someone who's going to give you a process review. Take it, it's worth gold. Okay. What do you think from the last 18 months is your surprise success venture? that you've seen that was kind of born in the cloud and has just flown? Why do
1: you think they made it? So I'll, I'll say this, and this is just off the, because the dependency I've had on it, and just by driving around Johannesburg, you see it, is the online delivery, how it's ported not into like overeat, miss delivery, the grocery stores. Like I just smile every time I see it because the job creation it's created, but you mm. can see it's mm. a complete subculture now. Mm. where people are trying to catch up. And where I found it fascinating was before COVID, I think with Uber and Miss Delivery, finding their feet in the apps, I would always speak to restaurants and go, well, you're not on these platforms, why? And they would say, oh, well, you know, the margin and this and that. And I mean, the world changed, the way it's adapted. But I'm using that as a small example, but I think South Africa, the way it's adopted... Online purchase and delivery has blown my mind, and I know it's not exactly in my segment, but you can't not see it visually the impact mm, it's had. Mm, it's it's a complete change. It's, so for me, that's probably the best thing I've seen. It's really nice to see how many jobs it's created. I'm with you. I'm constantly amazed just at these bikes
0: buzzing around. Adding to people's lives, you know, adding value. Yeah. And that's what you talk around in the small business space. If they want to be more customer focused, don't worry about technology. You know, let the technology work for you. What would you say to someone who is out there whose business is you're nicely using technology, you're engaging with the customer, we're going to the next level? What would you caution? That the businesses should caution for the next kind of period, the next six months to a year.
1: If we're talking about, you know, when you get into the point where we're talking expansion, getting a bit bigger. And I think expansions, you must be doing enough right. If you're ready to have that conversation, but it's a big, it's it's the same big step of getting into it. It is making sure you don't expand in every direction at the same time. So, so pick a lane. Go into the lane. And- so if it is market size expansion, so you're going to play in more territories, right? Play in a few territories with the model you have. If you're going to add services or product to your stack, add it, learn in your territory before you expand. Don't expand with. Don't plus, plus, plus. Okay. Not okay. because you couldn't be successful, Daniel. Again, talking to the broad spectrum, is it will take the understanding of what's working and not working longer, with all the variables running at the same time. Okay. So if you do your research, by all means, but if you're looking to expand, make sure whatever you're doing, you can get that feedback, help your decision-making. Course correct before you make the next step. If you run multiple at the same time, it's going to take a while before you figure out what is or isn't working. Okay, I I really
0: like that. The note I made there was when expanding, take care not to overcomplicate your world. Don't overextend. Don't overplay your hand. Yeah. Don't be arrogant.
1: Hey, it's it's a good it's a good one. Yeah, to yeah. the point. Okay. You, you, it also can become a bit of a, a domino effect because you could then expand realize that it's not giving you the same return and go, well, maybe we need to add more features in this bigger market yeah. Then you've added another. And it can ripple that way. But whatever made you successful is probably a combination of really understanding what you do, knowing where the costs are and what your market is. You have to keep that same principle okay. when you expand. So it's almost starting in the new area what you know you're good at by adding something. So that's my only caution. And don't get me wrong. There's enough case studies that prove what I've said probably wrong or really right. In some cases, Mm. it's a broad
0: spectrum. I love that. You were almost summarizing our tips for the small business person today. Know your customer, know what you do, know your cash position, understand how to bill and collect. How would you finish that
1: sentence? Those tips? To One of the biggest talking points we've had, center all of those around your customer. Okay. So have the customer at the center
0: of your life and add value to them collect your money, know your positioning, know your product, know your pricing and work smartly using technology. Okay, I like that. That's a very nice summary for me. If you had to give business owner a bit of advice on mentorship and where to get it, where would you suggest is a good place to find others where, not lecturing, but they could tell them, or give them some sort of advice on business and general business practices?
1: It's a good and a tricky question to answer at the same time, Daniel, because I think you know, if you look at all our career, it's like you've had mentors at different levels and Mm. it's kind of come up in very different ways. What I would say holistically is, if you're a business owner, there's forums, there's communities where you can leverage on some things in terms of an actual mentor, like some of that has to be in your sphere of influence. Like the one thing I will say, though, and maybe it's really taking a step back and maybe it lands or it doesn't land. Even when I was working my way through corporate, don't be scared to reach out. You know, like if you admire something that someone's doing, sending out just or engaging and saying, I really admire this part of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Where did you learn it or where can I learn it? And. I always find like people who are doing well are willing to share some of that mm. so if mm. for me, if someone really doesn 't have something in their sphere of opportunity, reach mm. out that's the only thing I would say, but it is a tricky one I, like, I will spend some time thinking on that okay that's awesome. Thank you for that. We are coming to the end
0: of our heritage episode, and I think I asked you this last time i 'm not going to ask my usual three questions because we spoke quite recently, but if you could go back and speak to 25 year old Varesh what would you say to him about the, the way forward from there
1: it's a good one it's a good one I think I would literally go back and say but looking back I think I've done a lot with the time and you I would want him to make more of the time yeah. <laughs> like take in more taking more but uh I suppose that would be it, but not just more of the time career-wise, but just more of the time in general. Like enjoy a Pack bit more, more all of it. Okay. Pack more in, yeah. All right,
0: and then if which Vireesh is not, and let me tell you, state that. But if you were leaving Sage now, what would you want to be remembered for?
1: You know, the thing is, I say most people, I think, want to leave something. They, they say, I want to leave it better than I found it. I think the thing I'd be most proud of is the team we've created and, yes. and all of the successes it's a team success i'd be most proud of the team i've created because i think within my team it's like the future leaders of the business they would they're going to make a impression in so many parts whether it's within sage outside of sage like I, I can picture when you get to retirement age running into some of the people who are in this team right now and just smiling to see how far they've gone as well oh that's awesome
0: that's fantastic Varesh, you have been an outstanding guest. I'm going to ask you to just give a summary to our small business owners out there from your side and a heritage message from Sage. And then I'm going to let you go because I think my cup of coffee, which is in a green bottle called Castle, is waiting. <laughs>
1: <Lovely>. <laughs> to all the small business owners, first of all, massive Gratitude from everyone in the country, you all are still the lifeblood, mm. your resilience, your grit, the fact that you're trying to move it forward every day. We all enjoy the benefits of that. To everyone who's not a small business owner, please support small business. Mm. And not just with your wallet, support them with any advice that you think they can help them, give them the feedback. All of us play this part. It's the biggest ecosystem in the country. Mm-hmm. Customer small business. It drives everything. So that would be my call out. And in terms of Heritage today, I hope everyone has a great, safe one. Enjoy it with the family. I think the last 18 months, if nothing else, has really given us a new appreciation of these moments. So everyone have a good and safe one. Thank you very
0: much. Varesh, harduth and the SAGE team for being on the Tech Central podcast, for being such a good supporter of sharing knowledge. Varesh is very approachable on LinkedIn. If you've got any questions, he can direct you to who to chat to in the team. From an applications perspective, if we can move the number of that 20% up to automate more, I would be very happy about that because I'd be getting better service all around. From my side, Daniel Robus from the Tech Central podcast. It's my privilege and my honor to be here with Farish again today. I hope you guys all have a wonderful weekend. If you are not from South Africa, enjoy working on Friday. We are not going to be because it's a day off. From me, goodbye.